project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. Created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with with medicalcodinggeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. everybody, welcome to the Not Us Classified podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Please make sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And for those that currently listen or have been listening to this podcast, thank you. The one thing that I do want to ask you is to grab your iPhone because at least over 70% of the audience listening to this podcast has an iPhone, go to Apple Podcasts and right now go leave a rating. And if you'd like, give a positive uh, critique, whatever review uh, about the podcast. Right now, out of all of the listeners that we have, we only have 38 ratings. So I'm sure there's more. So if you take the time, just leave us a rating, review, and I definitely appreciate it. And for those that give a five-star rating and a review, I'll give you guys a shout-out on the next episode. So in today's podcast, we are continuing at least my interview from Jacqueline Taylor. So if you haven't listened to the first part of the interview, please make sure to go back and listen to that episode. 
and then come back to this episode where we talk about networking in a virtual environment, test taking in a virtual environment, and so much more. So without further ado, here is Jacqueline's interview with me. Enjoy. So that moves me on to two. So you did the conference and now, you know, you're just when everything's online. That's another thing, you know, we're not, we don't have the opportunity or new graduates don't have the opportunity to, to attend the HEMA conferences or the, um, you know, the board organization conferences. They, you know, there's no career fairs really right now. And if they are, they're all virtual. They're, um, you know, all of the conferences are virtual. We have to rely on our CEUs and webinars and, you know, that's that's another thing that we have to get accustomed to. I know I usually attend like five or six meetings um, for the organization in person, you know, meeting at the um, uh, University of Chicago Hospital or wherever, you know, these are. This is something else I rely on. It helps with networking. It helps with resources. And I feel, you know, our students are missing that component. I had a whole class graduate um my last session teaching, that was about a month ago. And, you know, they're out in the world right now. And it's even conducting interviews are virtual at this moment, you know. So um, what do you what are some things do you think that can uh, prepare students and people for this networking virtually, you know, just uh, we're not able to get out there and physically meet people and shake hands. Mm -hmm. Definitely not shaking hands. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. The elbows. Even the foot shake. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, you know, how, what, what do you, what do you think are some best practices for that? You know, I, I I tell my students, you know, Hey, keep engaged as much as you can. I know you don't want to sit there for the, I, I mean, HEMA conferences are three days long. So in person, so, you know, what is about 10, 12 hours for a full day for to go all up to all of the venues and people. So, you know, I definitely have been encouraging my students to get out there anyway. When you find a webinar to follow, when there's meetings virtually, you know, go out there and attend. But what, what else do you think you can add other than telling them just go out and do it still? Go out and still try and make your connections. Right. The connections, they're a given. I mean, you have to network. But as you mentioned, you know, in your question, the new digital world. So, I mean, again, I miss, uh, you know, going to conferences. And I go there just to speak, but then I go there to, to meet other people from the speaking. So the people who come to me afterwards, they have questions. It's nice to shake their hand. It's nice to look them in the eye. It's nice to see, you know, uh, you know, face to face and their, the, the emotion, the, the, the facial expressions and everything. Uh, but now that's taken away. So, <laughs> and I mentioned that, uh, you know, with these conferences, I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, I, I posted on on my social media. Man, it, it really does uh, stink that I can't do these in-person sessions because aside from, you know, sharing what I know, it's really about meeting other people. So case study is, you know. I, I recently moved back in 2018, new, 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 new job, new, um, new location. What do I do? How do I get myself out there? And, and the only time is this online thing. And uh, the real, the, I guess the same way as I told you that 
professionals should, uh, I guess, up their game on their production value on how they present themselves. Students, in the same regard, have to do the same thing. Uh, and when I used to teach, I a lot of the curriculum that I had in my institution that I used to work for involved a lot of presentation. And I think that is key, is can the student do a presentation? Can they get up and talk about a certain topic? The same way as we mentioned before, you know, are they able to talk about a specific topic in a way that they can, you know, you know, uh, a certain two-way street? Can they learn what they learn, what they're trying to understand? And also, can they teach what they understand? Uh, Those things, being able to explain certain things at a certain time is a great skill that they can do when they're presenting. So most institute, I don't know, I don't know what the curriculums are for most institutions, but uh, there are some institutions that don't have that ability to or they don't encourage their their students to speak up and share and or present. Uh, and it's usually mostly module based. And how am I supposed to comprehend or understand or evaluate if you know what you're talking about? So take that when they graduate out to the outside world, they're just understanding how to receive information, receive information, receive information, receive information. But when they got outside of the school, can they, you know, exude out or present out information? No, they can't because the institution probably didn't offer them that opportunity uh, to do any kind of presentation, to share what they know. And I think when, when that's the reason why when I talked about the, the Facebook group, when somebody asked a question, I said, well, can you tell me exactly what the scenario is? And they kind of like close in like a shell, you know? So if they asked our, you know, in, in this type of environment, if they can't do it that way, then they can't, they really can't essentially network. They have to open the shell and just like, you know, really professionals are out there are here to help you, but you just have to go out there and get and have the, the, uh, the great attitude, uh, to get it. So the digital world, (laughs) how can we network now? Uh, it really is a difficult question to ask. So the real question to ask is what do you do now? What do you do now? And the number one place that I can definitely tell you is um, to start off with to network with professionals who are in the field it would be linkedin right Uh, a lot of uh, that's the first place to start start off with your profile and without going too much on how uh, how to uh, the i guess the the inner workings of linkedin i could give you like a full two-hour presentation but I, i could point you toward uh contempo coding uh, they have a YouTube video. She, uh, Victoria just did a, a, um, she just did a video on LinkedIn. Also, I'm going to refer you to, uh, Tony L Holmes, alpha coding podcast. She just did a, a few weeks back, uh, a LinkedIn, uh, session. So those are bonus content for those that are listening. I can give mine, but, <laughs> but the thing is, when I was about to release mine, Tony put hers. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to hold back because maybe her content is a bit different than mine. I'm, you know, we're not trying to plagiarize from one another, but I just say, look, I'm just going to have let her, you know, do hers. And then I, I, when I'm thinking in the back of my mind, like, maybe I should do a LinkedIn. And then Victoria does a LinkedIn. So I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I have to wait a little bit. But I already have the presentation set, actually. And I, I created it 
to do a podcast episode. But you have to understand with with uh, with LinkedIn, I think the most important thing is to connect with professionals in the field. But when you connect with them, just don't hit the uh, send invite button and then just receive the invite. Uh, when you connect with somebody online, especially on LinkedIn, go toward that person that you connected with. Thank them. Say, hey, thank you for connecting with me. I'm glad uh, I look up to you. I, I noticed you have a great uh, you know, background in what I need. Uh, I'm looking forward. If I, have any, if I have any questions, can I reach out to you? And they'll, they'll say yes. They'll say no. For me, if you send it to me, I'm going to be like, yeah. But there's some professionals who don't even respond or whatever it may be because that's happened to me where I reached out to them hey great you know great um great presentation uh is there an opportunity that I can bounce any ideas off of you and I just don't get a response or they're just giving me a website <laughs> as far as a, as far as as far as a marketing uh type of thing I'm like, ah, okay well whatever move on I have a story um it was about three years ago I was you know sending emails I had uh just moved to Chicago and I had reached out to people and I uh, sent someone a message and, you know, I'm like, Hey, I even, you know, sometimes if it's in the area, I'll offer lunch. Person never replied back. A few years later, they sent me a message requesting a job at my company. And I'm like, you know, out of, you know, not wouldn't, I was just like, you know, it's just, just crazy how people are not willing to reach out and help one another you know especially on that linkedin avenue and you know it is helpful it's just getting to know people it just it doesn't do any harm and i am uh if anyone reaches out to me if i can help them i i do what i can if i can't i say hey yeah thanks for reaching out but you know if there's anything i can do for you for anything in the future let me know i think that's um an important um thing to remember for people that are you know more advanced in their career when people do reach out to you respond um, you know, you never know what that connection could turn into or how you're helping that person. And, you know, I think with the changes that are going on with this online environment, people are going to have to be more open to those types of connections. Yeah. I, I everybody I network with, I treat, I always say, you could be my boss one day. <laughs> you, know, you could yeah. be, you could be my <laughs> boss. So everybody, even if it's a student, if the student connects yeah. with me, you could be my boss one day, or you could be uh, the person hiring me for your services, whatever it may be. And you're the one who essentially is going to write that uh, check for me. You know, so right. that's what I, you know, that's what I try and, and and do with everybody as best as I can. As you mentioned, you have a certain scope uh, of knowledge or time or you know whatever you can give so you give what you can give and you let that person know hey that's all i got or if i can't answer that question here's somebody else who can help me out so always and i think that's important when you when you develop a network it's not networking it's growing a network and organic i think another word is, is organically growing it not forcing it Yes. Like if you come to like if somebody comes to me, uh, hey, I have this business. Would you mind checking into it? No, I'm not checking into nothing because uh, that's not organically growing. And I mentioned this with um with Nat- with uh, Natasha Miller is when you promote your business, you promote yourself versus your business. So I want to get to know more about you, not your business. So if you can't tell me who you are, then I have no 
I have no interest in your business because I want to know the person first before the business. Um, So the same way with, with students, they don't, you don't want to automatically fire them, you know, fire off a, a shot saying, Hey, look, do you have a job opening? You know, but I'm like, why are you asking me for a job? Do you even know who I am? I don't even know who you are. Could you please, yeah. you know, show me who you are? And yeah. I think that's what students need to do is show them who they, who they are. And that comes back to the presentation skills. Are they able to tell people who they are, what, what their skills are? What, without sounding so scripted, can it sound real? If you're real to me, um, then I will take you seriously. If you sound like, you know, if number one, that's where you need to work on your confidence. If you don't have confidence, if you're not real, uh, you don't even waste my time with me because I want real confident, exactly real confident people, students, uh, professionals coming to me. And I do the same thing. Hey, I have, you know, thank you for connecting with me. And mostly if you, if you, if you've done, if you've been around the LinkedIn game for long and you do what I do, like producing a lot of content, they come to you. You don't go to them. That's yeah. that's to the point where you know you've got it right. When people, you're not chasing people, people are chasing you. That's that's the turnaround when you get it right. So uh, we, we kind of talked about the tools. You know, you mentioned good audio equipment, good video. So I think uh, number three, we kind of... Yeah. There are some tools for your career, your podcast that we found assist you in transitioning more digitally than in person. I think that's kind of covered. What do you think? Yeah, a good microphone, a good camera. Uh, if you have money, a good a good laptop, because that's what's happening yeah. now. Like you know, but but it doesn't have to happen overnight. You know, you could start off with a you know. It doesn't have to be this microphone. This microphone here is two hundred dollars. This this mixer here is two hundred dollars. This camera over here that you see is about under a hundred dollars. Uh, it didn't start off with that way. And I think when you when you evolve and or when your needs increase to where they want you more, then your production your production value will go up. So. It's the same way. If you're trying to network, don't don't present yourself in a in, in a basic way. You could start off basic, but as you grow your network, increase your value, increase your production value. And I always tell students, um, start to think about creating content. Even though you don't think you have enough content to share, you have some content uh, to share. Uh, I think the most important thing in 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 um, with students is to create some form of relatability or uh, storytelling. Tell your story about how you got through school. That in itself is a great story to share. How did you get into the field? Why were you interested? How was school like? How did you get through school? How did? What are you doing now to pursue your certification? Those things should be written down. Those things should be cataloged because you have to somehow in some form or some point in your career you have to bring that story back up and so i've told my story so many times but but even like stories from last week from last month from from few months ago i bring those stories back up and i keep on telling them and how it relates to my career so i think storytelling is is a great skill that that any that i think any professional should have too Let's take a moment for a quick break. Hello, everybody. I want to thank you for listening. 
but I do want to take a quick moment to promote our partners who help support the podcast. Do you want to know who supports our podcast? You can go to our website, medicalcodinggeek.com slash partners. From there, you could find a list of our partners who help support the podcast, including the Haugen Consulting Group, Project Resume, RadRx, Code, AccessAdoctor.com, ZipRecruiter, and so much more. So again, please support the podcast. We're doing great things. We want to expand. But please go to medicalcodinggeek.com slash partners. And now back to our show. As you know, we have the um, exams. I actually took another certification exam uh, 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 about a month or two ago. And um, in the exam, you know, they're, they're checking temperatures. They're having you, you know, use hand sanitizer. You know, then there's the traditional things of there being videotaped when you're in a room. Um, all of that, you know, so all of that's nerve wracking enough. And now we're mo- they're moving to uh, some of the exams for certification are being proctored online. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if AHIMA's gotten there, but I know the AAPC, they have several of their exams now that are being proctored online. And, um, you know, that's another thing that students are going to have to prepare, you know, the different standards with that, the different preparation and tasks, you know. It's already hard enough timing yourself and looking through your books in person. Now you're at home and it's, uh, you know, you have to make sure you have no distractions for like five hours. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, um, do you have any thoughts on how the certification tests are being proctored um, online now and how how that's going? What are your what are your kind of thoughts and sentiments about that? Well, um, I've worked with a lot of uh, local APC chapters and I think. The, a lot I, I from what I understand in the chapters, one of the responsibilities is proctoring exams, right? Uh, so that creates uh, in itself an opportunity for that specific local chapter to grow, being a point uh, location for tests. So to me, this online thing will be, I think it's temporary. I feel it's temporary. It's just a quick, it's something that is, it's, it's a reaction to something that's happening now, such as the, the COVID. So do I see this being, uh, you know, permanent? I don't know, but, 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 but let's go back to, to online, right? So in terms of jobs, uh, in terms of working from home. So, because a lot of people are working from home, a lot of companies are saying, hey, you know, there's a great potential in this or whatever it may be. I don't know what the online proctoring involves, but here's what I think it involves, right? Uh, I might have to talk about, I may have to reach out to some AAPC, AAPC people and see how it's like. But if it's if it was proctored online, I think the book thing might be, it might be... Um, tricky so i don't know how they do it in person but again the same way as an instructor you have to reproduce what you do in person online so if they're going to do book checks you have to you know show it off whatever it may be i don't know i I, yeah exactly i don't know if there's notes or anything specifically that the process has to be done whatever is done in person has to be done online um so i'm basing it off of what 
um, AAPC did with HealthCon. And they did a great job in, and I, I talked about this with Jeff White in my podcast episode because we were just qu- asking that question, what's going to be like? And I think they did a great job. So if they're able to transition that type of protocol from a uh, in-person conference to virtual conference, they I think they had the the um, the roadmap, similar roadmap that where they can transition uh, 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 in-person proctoring to online proctoring. Now, Again, it's temporary because it takes away from what the responsibilities are as far as local AAPC chapters. So um, I think it's up to them to find a place that it's, uh, you know, acceptable for social distancing and and wearing the masks, uh, whatever it may be, washing hands, having that all available. Same thing like going to school. Uh, But the proctoring... To me, if you take an online test, it's much harder <laughs> than it is taking it in person. So I can feel like it. Some of the like, what is it? A five five hour and forty minutes, or five hour forty minutes to take the most test of, exam? Yeah. Most of them. Like CPC is five yeah. hour and 40, 40 minutes, forty five minutes, and you know they're for about like one hundred fifty questions, right? Hours, yeah, for one hundred fifty and multiple questions. choice. So if it was me. I'd make the the requirement a tiny bit stricter to account for accountability, to making sure that there is some level of um, integrity uh, between the test taker and and the test. Um, how do you proctor online? I I guess something like this format where I'm watching the student, you know, making sure that the that you have camera angles, appropriate camera angles, or um proctor check-ins can you please show me your work area that type of thing um if they're unable to do it then they can't take the proctor you know online proctor exam so there's a lot of you know checklists that they have to have set make sure that is done so can it be done yes uh i feel it's gonna be just more of a pain in the butt could it be harder i don't say harder in terms of tests but in terms of taking the test the timing the requirements of taking the test may be a little bit more stricter than doing it in person yeah i haven't uh known personally anyone that's taken any of the certification tests you know i have a couple of students next month that will be uh should be taking their cpc so i'm i'm not 100 percent sure how it's it's working i just know that they're they're doing it yeah i I should ask i should ask my group like has anybody taken the online proctor exam what can you please share your thoughts and and that could be something to chat later on um so final question uh with everything we talked about you know the the changes and you know all of the the new technologies and requirements for uh teaching and working and just living um, in this climate, you know, with with COVID, um, what do you think these changes are beneficial? Do you think they're beneficial, not beneficial for those in health information management or leading into health information management? What do you what, what do you think? Is it is it good, bad? You're kind of indifferent, or what are your thoughts and feelings? I think it's good uh, because, especially for especially for uh, institutions that have the in-person environment, like they require their their workers to come on. Uh, it makes them reevaluate what they can do on-site and what they can do off-site. 
And you you know the, there's a lot of reports and articles out now saying that you know doing and I, I that was my that was my uh, topic at HealthCon was uh, remote work, uh, two mm. re- re- remote work dads and we're talking about the benefits, but there are a lot of benefits to it and and a lot of employers love it and a lot of employees love it, but. What comes with the online environment is things like seclusion, uh, you know, trying to change around your environment, trying to change around your schedule, the fact that you have a proper place to do work and stuff like that. So when during this time, it helps them realize like, okay, am I ready for this? Am I not ready for this? A lot, you know, when we looked at some of the studies, it wasn't like a big uh, overwhelming number that people accepted it it was really 50 50 uh people who stayed in it usually are not ready for it the same way like students who like in-person uh instruction versus online instruction people have their own uh preferences uh so do i see it beneficial yes as in a way that it's showing if they like it or not and it depends on the company and really the company should be evaluating their employers uh, to see if it had affected their productivity, uh, and if it did, if it if it did, if it affected in a positive way, then yeah, give them that privilege to work from home. You know, I think it helps a lot out, especially with morale uh, for employers to work from home. Um, does this do anything in terms of employment being lost or whatever it may be? I'm not too sure, but the one thing that we do have to kind of put into the table is artificial intelligence. Uh, that's one thing that is being talked about uh, that I've uh, actually listened to another um, session at the Fahima conference is the evolving. This gives the opportunity for artificial intelligence to rise uh, for for us to see that, hey, you know, we could do this in the online environment, utilize uh, artificial intelligence to help us as a tool not to take over our job. Uh, and and see ways that we could you know increase productivity uh, through the workplace. Thank you. These are, are really great insights. I really appreciate everything you told me. You've given me a lot to think about. And yeah, you know, I just really appreciate it. And you know, I I love the fact that I can uh, speak with you and talk about these um, ideas. You know, these are conversations I've had with my co-workers and you know conversations overall with my family because you know even our, our kids are doing online learning mm-hmm. or they might be doing hybrid learning for yeah. a while yeah and um you know this is where we're kind of the focus especially with education is having to be right now so it's it's really been great speaking with you again i love your podcast thank you um and uh yeah that about sums it up for um uh yeah. <laughs> so let me ask. So I have two questions now. So give me back my podcast. But actually, I like I like I like this. I like being asked the questions versus me asking the questions or listening. I, sometimes I I go ramble on and on. So I, I like this. So, so you see like stuff like this. Uh, I'm talking to the audience. Anybody who gives me questions, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get a long-winded conversation <laughs> on some of the topics and the stuff that you're listening now, that's what I do on the phone. Like people who come me, can I pick your brain? Yeah. So, I'm kind of plugging me. If you have if you want to pick my brain any further, or you want to get it recorded, yeah, just reach out to me and we'll get set up a podcast episode like this. So, here's the question for you. What do you how did you feel being a uh a, a podcast guest for we did, can I tell you the time we're over an hour? 
I, I know. I just love <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't feel like that, though. I know. It's see? So how like does it feel hard. being a being a host of a, of a podcast for the day? Oh, I, I love it. I need to add this to my resume now. There this you go. Awesome. So I, <laughs> I'm hoping you, you create your own podcast, right? So that's – it's nice. It's it's nice when you when you when you're in control and you're asking the questions and you reverberate some of the stuff is and I think this helps out a lot when in networking. So uh, my my topic for Ahima is how podcasting skills or podcasting can help you with com- effective communication. So things like this, uh, you could take this and translate it to the next professional. Take it to the next professional. Take it to the next professional. Ask and these are great questions that you gave me. I looked at them, even though it was like, you know, really short in advance, I mean, uh, short in advance, like you gave it to me just right before the podcast. I love it. I'm like, oh, this is a great, um, I didn't need to prepare. I looked at it. I'm like, okay, I think I have an idea of what I need to say. And again, I don't want to sound scripted. So uh, thank you, Jacqueline, for for being uh, a designated guest. So I'm going to turn it around to me or turn it around to you. I'm going to ask two questions. Um, you know, I feel like being an educator, you're yeah. long-winded anyway. I feel like you end up on your podium and you're, you, this is your, your job. You know, I've lectured for two, three hours, so I feel like you're ready when you do your podcast. Yeah. You're ready. You, know, able you to have to be ready. Mm-hmm. And all the stuff that you learn, you just really kind of carry it forward. You carry it forward yeah. and you carry it forward. Absolutely. All right. So two questions, two final questions. Number one, what does... After all of this that I just went through in answering your questions or you, you had the opportunity, to, opportunity uh, to pick my brain, what do you think is the future now for yourself and what you've obtained and you know what are you going to do with all of this that you've received? You know, with um, I'm I'm definitely going to bring it back to my institution, and you know, with uh, the the other ideas that I've come up with, and kind of present. You know, this is happening. We're we need to uh, stay current. We need to make sure that we're presenting uh, information in a quality way to the online learners. And you know, a lot of other vocational and technical schools, they haven't, they're being kind of thrown into this online environment. That's not what they're set up for. You know, um, I'd say, you know, associate's programs, bachelor's degrees and things like that, they already have the online component, but theirs is, you know, do a couple of postings, read independently, and then take your test or write your essays. So even even those types of institutions, I think, could benefit with more interaction and more synchronous interaction between the students and the professors, you know. I've taken a couple mm-hmm. of online classes, and it's kind of cold, you know. You you read your professor's bio, and then you just get you throw maybe one introduction out there, and then it's just all school, you know. There's yeah. no immediate feedback, um, you know, no video, no um, interactions if you're in school. It's uh, I, and I think that is something other institutions should look at too, you know, this synchronous environment, um, and where. Uh, teachers, professors, they're able to interact with it more with their students, get the feedback and engage them uh, better to give a quality education to the students. You know, so I, I do see this as the future. I feel like all institutions can learn from the environment that they're being forced into right now and, you know, implement different ways and styles of learning to enhance the education. You know, I look back and there was definitely some things that 
I had to learn on my own that could have been presented differently or could have been mm. uh, presented as a major focus when I was in school, yep. you know, um, preparing for certifications, you know, being educated on those. There were just, just things that I think could have done better. And I tried to give to my students, just like you were saying, you know, you're um, exporting all the knowledge that was input into you um, and how you've grown. That's your job. So um, I, that's just, you know, how I feel with the, everything that's changing. You know, I think it's a beneficial thing. Everything's going digital. We're making sure our kids learn this digital environment. You know, they're typing, they're doing coding classes, their math problems in, you know, modules on games. So mm -hmm. I think that this is the turn and this is the future of many professions, including health information management. So are there, are there any, uh, projects that you're doing now uh i think you wanted to talk about earlier yes uh you know with all of the changes going on there 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 we we've had one heck of a 2020 <laughs> going on so far you know we we've had the covid environment we've also had the black lives uh matter movement that's been way more apparent this past 20 year 20 uh this past year in 2020 and you know, people are noticing disparities in their company that need to be met regarding uh, race, ethnicity, and treating people and their employees fairly. You know, they, they're noticing the discrepancy uh, blacks, uh, black board members, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's being noticed now, which is a great thing. You know, that's where change starts, you know, just truthfully admitting that there is a problem and there is something going on, and then you know, moving to the future to fix it. So within health information management, I've noticed that there is no uh, organization that caters to the needs of African-Americans uh, with that, uh, that work and are educated in the health information management field. So I have sought to meet that need with uh, COBIM, the Collective Organization of Blacks in Health Information Management. C-O-B-H-I-M. I know it's, it's a whole little acronym thing, <laughs> but I want to meet that need. I want African-Americans to come together and network. I want them uh, to feel supported in their workplace. I want them to feel connected and, you know, have the confidence and the ability uh, to bring up issues um, in their workplace that they see when they're, when they feel that they're not treated fairly or when they see a discrepancy based on race. And I want, I, you know, uh, with, as being as far, as far as being an educator, as far as being in this field, I want to uh, empower people. And being an African-American woman myself, you know, that is the uh, group that I decide to align myself with and support. And uh, so that is the organization. The uh, website is www.cobhim.com. And it's www.cobhim.com. Uh, for anyone who wants to uh, take a look or, or join and anyone who has the sentiments and for, who wants to support African-Americans in this health information management field. And I know you mentioned there was a um, statement from ACDIS uh, that, you know, it was great for them to notice that there was a disparity and they are working towards change. You know, hopefully all of the board organizations um, will take a look at their internal organization and see what they can do better to support uh, African Americans in their community. Yeah, I think I think the the, and I mentioned this with um, Leanne Tanette. She's from Atlanta, 
And mm-hmm. the one thing that we talked about is is when you're trying to produce change, I think the most important, like we were talking about electronic health records, right? But mm-hmm. I told her that the most important thing in terms of change, whatever it may be, may it be what it is now, what Black Lives Matter, is education. And if, but however, in order for you to educate and it brings back home, I love, I love to do a 360 uh, bring back to what I've been talking about is the idea of communication. And so what you're doing now is developing content specifically for for what's going on in today and having that discussion, sharing what your thoughts. I think that's the least that anybody can do is just, you know, have the ability to open up a conversation, <laughs> a civil conversation. Gosh, you know, especially what you see now online, it's terrible. But but to have a civil conversation, and I think those conversations is content. And in the same way that it's helped me with my career, it's going to help with, you know, what's happening now. If you portfolio, if you create a portfolio of conversations that you have addressing certain issues on what's happening now uh, with race um, and inequality, it's a good tool. So stuff like this, you can do it. Have a podcast. I could see a podcast happening now with your organization, you know, reaching out to HIM professionals, African-American uh, HIM professionals. You have a lot of them. I, I already mentioned to you, um, uh, you can reach out to FAMU. That's one institution that I know uh, that has the HIM program for sure. They're great people. Uh, but yeah, that's you're doing a great thing. So I, I definitely have the contact information, the website, uh, in the podcast notes uh, for anchor.fm slash NAC podcast. So thank you for that. And I, I wanted to make sure you said that because the one thing that, um, uh, and I mentioned before, like Ahima, Ahima CEO is African-American. And, and, and I was mentioning before that I was waiting. I'm like, <laughs> can we hear something from her? And I, I almost kind of like uh, almost blew a gap. Like I, I was like, I'm like, can we? I guess she was preparing, but I was like, can you just do it now? And I was so glad that, um, yeah, because like you know, why are we waiting? Just say something. But I think you have to formulate. You have to say things the right way to produce the right message. And so she she had you know a, a campaign, uh, a session on 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 um, inequality in America. And so she did that. I was like, okay, good, great. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, you have to have it. Ahima has to do that. So uh, kudos to that. All right. So uh, Jacqueline, thank you for being in the podcast. Here is my last question for you. And thank you for sharing all that information and being a designated podcast host for the hour. <laughs> well, not over the hour. Look, we're, we're going way over an hour. Yes, so we're da- way over. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we're, we're approaching an hour and 20 here. Um, so the last question for today is what best words of advice could you give for our audience? I would just say, you know, um, keep learning and keep growing. You know, I feel uh, throughout life, you should always be learning and growing somehow. You should never say, this is it, I'm done. I've done all that I can do, you know, keep growing, keep changing, keep maturing and learning and becoming your best self. So there you have it. That is Jacqueline Taylor. Thank you, Jacqueline, for being a special host for today's podcast. 
And I'm reaching out to the audience. If you feel you want to pick my brain and you feel open to record and be a designated host for the day, by all means, reach out to me, connect with me on LinkedIn, and let's make that happen. So in the podcast, Jacqueline mentioned COBHIM, C-O-B-H-I-M, the Collective Organization of Blacks in Health Information Management. The website is cobhim.org. I spoke to Jacqueline not too long ago. She is in the current process of building that website. But please write that website down, cobhim.org. And if you'd like to learn more about the organization and get involved, reach out to Jacqueline Taylor on LinkedIn. And all the show notes, all the information I will place in our podcast, anchor.fm slash podcast. Recording geek.com.